You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family and conquering the challenges of today. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and professionals we trust to help you create the strong marriage you desire and deserve. Welcome to The One Relationship. My name is Kate Wendell, and today I have guest Jessica Sinarski. She is equipped, uh, or she's equipping parents and professionals to be healers for hurting children weaving user-friendly brain science into everything she does. She ignites both passion and know-how into her audiences. Extensive postgraduate training and more than 15 years as a clinician, consultant, and parent educator, it has led her to create the resource and training platform she couldn't find elsewhere that she calls Brave Brains. Also, her first book, Riley the Brave, introduces a framework that is improving outcomes for those affected by adverse childhood experiences and trauma. She's currently partnering with school districts and child welfare agencies across the country to better incorporate effective trauma-sensitive practices into their work. And she also continues to write books, What's Inside Your Your Backpack, and the new release, Riley the Brave, makes it to school. Love it. Uh, Jessica also continues to work as a therapist and a clinical supervisor. She's a contributor to magazines, blogs, and podcasts, a mom of three boys. Welcome, Jessica. (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of The One Relationship. Thanks, Kate, for having me on. Yeah, so so we were talking a little bit before we actually got into here, you know, into the episode. And uh, one of the things that I, I think is so important since you are concentrating on trauma, and we've had some guests on the podcast who... Um, you know, that that's part of their expertise and trauma, and maybe it's more towards adults and, you know, you're working with the children. Help us understand, you know, what, how do you see trauma? How do you define trauma and, and recognizing sort of the big trauma that we're really aware of and maybe the, the small T trauma that we don't even think is trauma, but actually is affecting us as, you know, children and into adulthood. You bet. So I think of trauma as not being sure you have the resources to survive. So as we're recording, we're sort of coming out of this this season of this pandemic and and really across, you know, around the world, there was this this sense of not being sure if we had the resources to survive. For some communities, for some families, that hit harder because maybe there were fewer extra resources to go around. Um, and so that becomes even more traumatic in that situation. The, the reality, though, is that um, so there's, you know, that that capital T trauma. I don't know if I can survive this that we think of, you know, with abuse or neglect, um, you know, all those 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 big life events that that really pretty naturally we think of as trauma. There are also for our kids. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes for us as kids or even into our adulthood, those those smaller moments of, oh my gosh, I don't know if I can survive this. Um, So I don't say that to minimize the big things, but just to recognize, especially for kids, that 
um, that we need as humans, we need a safe adult to be able to make it, <laughs> make it past the first day, let alone into adulthood. And so if you had a complicated relationship with your parents, if you, um, if you experienced some uncertainty and maybe some toxic stress and some environmental things that were really challenging, that can have a lasting impact on how your brain is wired and how you enter relationships and how you, um, how you view yourself. And so I think we do ourselves a disservice if we just like, you know, suck it up buttercup and, and go on with life because the more that we can face what is, what really truly is and how we've been wired, um, you know, in our nervous system, in our body, in our brain and, and embrace the truth, the better chance we have of getting through to being our best selves. You know, you talk about the, the updating your operating system. I think that's a great way to think about it because we, we need that. We need to, we need to figure out what the bugs are. If we're going to figure out what this, um, this optimal, you know, processing is going to be. Yeah. Um, so, so what comes to my mind though, as you're speaking, sometimes we're like, okay, maybe we didn't realize that something is going on, right? We, you know, one, we see, you know, a husband and wife come together and they've had two different childhoods. Maybe they're kind of similar. Maybe they're very different. I mean, my, you know, Tanner and I, we have very different upbringings. Um, and so now we're, we're, we're meshed together. We're blended together. We're, you know, we're going to start a family and, you know, we're butting heads because mm. of certain things that are just now, um, part of our own programming. Like they're just part of yes. you know, what we grew up with that we just always thought was normal. And now yes. we're like, Oh, here's another family. And it's not like that. And so it's different. So, yes. um, and then of course, you know, moving forward, we now as a husband and wife raising kids, you know, you're, you're trying to give the best environment to your children. Like, where do you begin? You know, mm. like, how do, how do you even start like, okay, cool. My husband had this upbringing and I had this upbringing and, and this is both, it's affecting us. We don't want yeah. to do this anymore. Like yeah. we want to find a happy middle ground. Like, where do we begin? How do we uh, pass that trauma? I think exactly in that moment, just seeing it, that's the first step. So what you just said is the first step. Um, and a next step is maybe normalizing that your normals were different from each other, that that there are lots of ways that families function and you guys are consciously being a team and choosing the way that your family is going to function within that we have these automatic tapes. We have these, you know, these pathways in our brain that that signals coming in can hit real quick and send us into our defense brain real quick, even though, you know, it it's a seemingly insignificant thing. So, for example, um, I I know now I can feel in my belly when my when that like sort of attachment panic hits. I know what that feels like. So sometimes it's helpful if we can dissect after the fact, like when there has been a big blow up, maybe it's by yourself or maybe it's with your best friend or with your coach or with, you know, whoever it's with to dig into like, why did it get so big? Why did the, you know, the conversation about who was dropping 
you know, your kiddo off at soccer turn into a knockdown drag out and you're mad at him for the rest of the day? Like what, what happened? What happened? I mean, and those kind of arguments happen. Yes. It's crazy. Yes. And so what I, what I find super helpful is tuning into what, if we can, if we can start to tune into what our bodies are telling us and what our emotions are telling us. And I will say, if you're listening to this and like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like, I I survive. I I go like I don't need to do all that floofy emotion yeah. stuff. Right. Um, you're selling yourself short a little bit. And even though you are super wise and courageous to figure out how to survive and sh- maybe shove down emotions, those are going to pop out somewhere. And often they pop out with the f- people that we feel safest with. Mm-hmm. So they often they often sort of spring out with your partner or with your kids, you know, in those close relationships, because we're, those are the people who maybe will love us at our worst, hopefully. Right. Right. Um, And our, our nervous system kind of knows that. And so those things pop out. So I, I have now realized like, oh, it's this feeling in my stomach that tells me, you know, I'm going into defense mode and um, that I'm very sensitive. We're all actually very sensitive to facial expressions. So my husband now knows that um, it's not uncommon between us that I'll say, can you please lower your eyebrows? <laughs> because what happened, it was it was during one of those kinds of you know conversations turned arguments that all of a sudden that flipped in my stomach and he had his eyebrows to his hairline and you know was like, well, I don't know what's gonna happen now. And you know, how can this be different right now? And for whatever reason, I was just like, I think I just need you to lower your eyebrows. And it just broke the moment for us. Like it just suddenly wasn't quite as tense because we're just two humans trying to figure out how to do this hard thing called, you know, living as adults. Right. right. Um, and, and, together. So I, and together. <laughs> right? And so that's the other thing I think. So tuning into yourself and, and your like your signals, your cues Um, I think that's a big first big, big part of that early process and, and then making it safe between the two of you to talk about that, to say we're on the same team, but for some reason I'm interpreting this as, as a threat, or I'm interpreting this as you don't care about my needs or, um, and, and I don't think that's true. So help me understand, like, can we, can we come to this together and try to understand, um, and if I you're love, really, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I love that you're saying, you know, we're on the same team because that's something that Tanner and I say often to our clients, like you guys are on the same team. If you look at any sports team out there, they might get frustrated with another player yeah. on the team. They might not like that, you know, so-and-so dropped the ball, like whatever it is, you could be upset about that situation. But that whole team is on the same team with, the end result that they want to win. And 100%. so, I mean, if you, you know, if you use the sports analogy with that, like that is marriage. So yeah. you're, you know, yes, you're coming from two families of origin and yes, it can be challenging to find a way to blend that together and find the new way of operating yes. as you know, your new family. Um, and that certainly has challenges. Like I don't think any any married couple has is immune to that. No. Um, but it's, it's what you do in those situations. Like you're butting heads, you're finding, you're trying to figure stuff out. 
you know, how are you going to come together and actually work on it? But if yeah. you have the mindset that you are on the same team, yeah. then you're going to come to the table and be like, okay, how are yeah. we going to, how are we going to meet in the middle? And sometimes like one partner is going to have to move a little bit more to yep. the center than the other. And then another thing will come up and then yep. the other partner comes a little, you know, like it's a dance, you know, just it know is. that it's a dance. Um, so I think that's, you know, it's, and the self-awareness, as you mentioned, you know, that first step is, is really important. You know, we, we, you know, we teach about ownership of your life, yeah. right? Like take ownership of your life, accept where you are. You don't have to like where you are. You don't have to like the person, right. right? But just accept it and be like, cool, I got myself here. You know, yeah. these are the things that have happened in my life and I'm here. Okay. But now what am I going to do about it? You know, and how do I make so that powerful. next step? Right. Yep. Right. So, yeah. um, if you're, if you're looking for a little bit deeper dive into that, yeah. I, I would recommend Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell's book, Parenting from the Inside Out. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with this one. No, actually, I'm not familiar with that one. Parenting from the Inside Out by Dan Siegel and Mary Hartzell. It, it, um, the subtitle is How a Deeper Self-Understanding Can Help You Raise Children Who Thrive. Mm. So if this whole like digging into your, like owning your story and kind of figuring out some of those automatic tapes that might be playing that you're not aware of. Um, that's a great, it's a great resource to, to go through together. If you're in that spot with your partner or even just to go through on your own to sort of unpack some of those, um, hidden, maybe lowercase T traumas or, right. or capital T traumas. Right. So, so since you just, you, you have sort of the, the brain science background as well. Um, what I'm thinking of is, many, at least, at least from our experience so far, you know, who we've worked with. Um, and, and I guess really just seeing a lot of people and how they've reacted out of this past year of, of a pandemic, you know, people don't like, well, they don't like change, but they don't like the, the uncertainty, right? Oof. It's the uncertainty that puts us in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Right. Yes. So, so what I'm, what I'm curious about it in, in your background is how, so the uncertainty and yeah. and the change, they don't want to take that first step yeah. because they'd rather stay in the uncomfortable that they know versus yep. the uncomfortable that they don't know. Yep. So how does that work for the brain yeah. to be able to overcome that? That's a really good question because it it is a, it's a brain thing. It actually, it takes more energy up front to do the uncertain thing. I apologize. <laughs> um, it, it takes more energy up front to do the uncertain thing. So our brains create these, uh, create firing patterns. So there's a, there's sort of a known principle, um, that neurons that fire together, wire together. So all these electrical messages are getting sent. And it's part of the reason that like you can smell a certain smell. So there's like this certain shampoo or soap or something that I used. The only time in my life I used it was when I was on a trip to Russia. So mm -hmm. whenever I smell that smell, I immediately remember that trip to Russia because those two things are paired in my brain. Neurons that fire together, wire together. And so what happens is um, brain development is really about the connections that are forming in our brains. It's not so much about getting more neurons. It's about how we're connecting what's already there. And so the as you're talking about the difficulty of change, the difficulty of uncertainty, 
Um, we like the predictable. We like we like the well-worn path. It's why you can end up on autopilot, you know, to your house or to the school or whatever when you didn't even mean to be driving there, because that that new path, that different place, takes more neural energy. Mm -hmm. And so, as we're thinking about, especially in in times of chronic stress, like we've all just gone through, um, but really when you're trying to make any sort of life change, life shift becoming a new team, um, a blended family or, or whatever your situation is to consciously make those choices toward um, toward that new way of being is requiring you to rewire certain routes that your brain is used to going down. Um, so, you know, if you always go home and um, and and get a box of cookies out of the cupboard and you're trying to change that path. Well, you don't want to have the cookies in the cupboard because you're going to be on autopilot going to that cupboard. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing in relationships. If you if you usually maybe take your partner for granted, um, recognizing that that happens and then choosing to, you know, write down some of their strengths every single day or choosing to set an alarm on your phone so that you remember to say, hey, I really appreciate you for X, Y, and Z, or I just love your smile. That that sometimes giving your brain a little boost to, to get going can be really helpful for starting that new neural pathway development, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I was gonna say, there's nothing wrong with setting a reminder to do something. It doesn't mean that it, it has any less value and, and of, of importance, right? Like we sometimes need reminders, like, you know, some, yeah. I mean, you got a calendar to remember, like I gotta take my kid here and drop him off there and pick up this. Like, there's nothing wrong with the reminder to you know, say, Hey, uh, some loving words to your spouse or even to your kids yes. for that matter. Right. Yes. You know, to, yeah. The, the other question I wanted to get into is as you were talking, I'm thinking, well, so now how does this, so now you got the, you know, the parents are listening and the, and they've got kids. Yeah. So how do we change this like generational curse? Right. Yes. So like they're in, you know, that's something that Tanner and I are now like really kind of focused on this, this, um, uh, uh, not, I don't want to say concept, but just this, I guess there's like a science around like seven generations deep, right? So sure. you've got seven generations behind us that have dictated how we're operating today. And yeah. so what we're choosing to do today is going to affect those seven generations in front yes. of us, you know, yes. our kids and our grandkids and our great grandkids and beyond. So yes. like, we've got to choose wisely of like, what are we doing yeah. Um, so, so how, so maybe just elaborate a little bit on like rewiring so that we're making more sound choices as adults now, you know, mm -hmm. we're to, to let go what we've gone through as, as children into adults so that we can instill something better for our children. Right. To create some generational, some generational change. change. Yeah. Right. Sure yeah. thing. So, right, the science that you're talking about is that the epigenetics, how our how our um, genetics, our genetic code, um, sure, it passes down, but also things that we do change how the how the genes express themselves. And um, the good news is some of what we've already talked about are ways to help shift that for your kids. So being more insightful. Um, paying attention to what's happening in your body, helping your kids learn that skill, that sets them up better to shift some of those 
autopilot things that are happening in their brain. And, and one thing that I find super helpful is, um, is for the whole family to really understand their brain. So I talk about the brain in a way that was introduced by Dan Siegel and um, Tina Payne Bryson in a book called uh, The Whole Brain Child. So they talk about um, this house model of the brain, that we have a, a downstairs brain and an upstairs brain. And I have found that kids and teens and adults, like everybody can understand this. So, so if you... If you think of your downstairs brain as your your protectors, your defense system, your like sort of self-preservation, um, that's the part of your brain that's online when you're born. It's part of why like an infant, their only means of getting needs met is crying, right? They don't, they can't problem solve. They can't think critically. They can't, like, they right. can't use their words. Right? None right, of that's right. happening. Right. It's just that downstairs brain that says, Right. And then an adult comes along and hopefully has enough of their upstairs brain, problem solver, creative thinker, caretaker, things happening right. to meet that need thousands of times, right? right. Before that baby <laughs> starts getting some of those connections to their upstairs brain. And so really the first part that of the brain that we're, we're hoping to make some highways in is between that, that alarm system that says danger, danger, danger and some safety in our environment, some safety in our relationships to be able to feel safe enough to start developing the calm, curious, connected, connection-seeking upstairs brain. So I, as, as I talk about this with kids and families, um, it just gives language to these these downstairs brain moments that everyone has. So you would you would naturally think that five year olds are going to have a lot more of them, hopefully, than thirty five year olds. Um, but we all have them. We all have those prickly porcupine moments or times when we want to curl up in our turtle shell. And having a language to talk about that seems to really help. In a cup, I mean, in a in a lot of ways. But one of the ways is that as adults, we can model. Um, we can model regulating our own behavior, regulating our own brain and, and nervous system. So if I'm getting really frustrated, I might say, I'm, I'm trying to stay in my upstairs brain. Just gonna breathe through this for just a second. And that teeth, like my kids have seen that enough times that my oldest will now say, mom's trying to not get mad at us. <laughs> like, you're getting sure I'm trying to not get mad, you know, right. that, that is what's happening. And how great that they understand that they're not crazy for having big feelings. It's normal. It's all right. part of life. And there we get to be the boss of our brain. Like we get mm. to keep working to develop those upstairs brain pathways um, to be able to grow. And as we as we do that ourselves and as we actively teach that to our kids in lots of different ways, which that's that's part of what my books and resources and, and things are are trying to address, because sometimes as adults, we we want to teach with just words right. <laughs> and kids yeah. don't learn with just words. <laughs> oh, no, they don't. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> yeah. So we can we can teach this and then they they in turn have this incredible skill set to bring into their partnership and bring into their parenting. Mm. Um, and and for most of us, this is not how we were parented. So many people grew up with the authoritarian, you know, 
you will speak, you will be seen and not heard, not heard yeah. you know, everything was about manners and compliance and, and this sort of rigid way of, um, of interacting. And what I have certainly found in my work, um, and in my, my research around parenting and all of those things is that while certainly there, are, there are some positive results maybe that can come from that, what seems to be re resoundingly clear is that um, high nurture and high structure tends to create that um, that healthy brain development that I think we're all sort of hoping for. Yeah, that I mean, that in itself just kind of sums it up, right? If you think about it, like, okay, high nurture and high structure. Like, that's something that we've learned so much in just like our own work that Tanner and I do, like, especially yeah. with um, his daughter and, and, and that she's back and forth. Like we have to, you know, we want our home to be that safety for her yeah. and that there's, there's structure here because the structure, the routine is what children think of as safe. Yes. If, if it's all it's predictable, it's predictable. Right. And it's safe. And you're going to, and go. it goes back to that uncertainty thing. You were just, yep. you were talking about before, right. That, right. that uncertainty is dysregulating. It throws mm -hmm. off our, our, our system. Mm -hmm. And so even just what you're saying, it doesn't mean that you have to be rigid. Of course we want structure with some flexibility, but right. kids want to know what's expected. My, mm -hmm. one of my boys, um, we were talking about preschool and uh, his favorite part of the day was when they went over the schedule, like his little brain <laughs> needed that, like needed that structure to know what was expected. And then he could go on with his day. But without oh that, God, he was like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we're, I mean, we're seeing it. So my stepdaughter is, um, you know, almost 11. We have a three-year-old and a one and a half year old. And like, I just, I, I see the days, um, when we're, you know, we're on routine and just like the tantrums are minimized, yep. the outbursts, the talking yep. back, like all, you know, all of that is just minimized. And, you know, we've got different age ranges here for it versus like, when we took a vacation and we took yes. a, you know, a week in the RV and we're all smushed mm. into an RV together with no routine. And it was like out of control, mm -mm. one experience, but it was freaking out of control. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and, and especially with our three-year-old who's, you know, really showing signs of ADHD mm. that it's like, they have like that, their brain needs that structure and yes. that routine, um, That's particularly right. for a circumstance like that. I mean, kids in general, but even more so there because otherwise right. it's, they're, they're just, they're out of control. So, yeah. um, and I continue to learn not having an ADHD brain. I'm continuing to learn like, okay, what do I need to do in order to help her brain be able to function properly? Right. Yes. Like, I want this to be yes. her superpower. I don't want it to be this disability that's yes. been, you know, labeled for so many yes. years. And quite frankly, I was that single professional who was hearing all about all these kids having ADHD. And I'm like, parents just don't want to like, you know, put some discipline in their life. I really yeah. was that person. Yeah, sure. They didn't know. I mean, yes. you know, it, it was ignorance. And so yeah. I, you know, I had to, I had to, um, <laughs> I'd have my own kid to realize <laughs> like, you know, that, and, and my husband. Right. So now I've got yes. two. Yeah. realize like, Oh, this is a real thing. It's just how they're, it they're It's how they're chemically and, and their, or their brain is, functioning wired, and, yeah. and wired and um 
and to not look at that as a, as a down thing. So I also, I, I kind of like to bring that up too, because I, I'm sure there are parents who are like, I don't know what to do. And this yeah. is like, and they're seeing it as a bad thing versus yeah. like, if we just know how to talk and work with them yeah. with it, it'll actually be their superpower. And I'm like, One thing, I want it to be a superpower. Absolutely. One thing I heard um, that I really love and have held on to, I, there's a lot of ADHD in my house as well. <laughs> Um, but that is not how my brain is wired. I do not right. have ADHD. So it's, it's very confusing for me sometimes. And yes. dare I say, infuriating. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I can totally relate. <laughs> but what I heard that I loved was um, to think of their brains as explorer brains, that their, their brains are going into a thousand different places and are interested in the next thing and the different thing and the unique thing and the the you know, the squirrel. Um, and that that really is a gift. Like that's a good thing. Our world would be very different if we didn't have all these different ways of, um, of seeing the world and, and interacting and, and different strengths. And so that has helped me to not see it as, um, to see it as that, that strength that's within, um, and, and part of the, the incredible way that they're formed and, um, and not just as a, it means that they don't flush the toilet or that they struggle to get there to, to order their steps, to get dressed in the morning or whatever right, <laughs> those right, things right. that, that I find frustrating and irritating, but, um, but there are so, there's so much more to it than that. I mean, quite frankly, it's, it's the inventors. It's the, yes. it's the entrepreneurs that yes. created a business that we now, you know, I mean, it's visionary visionaries, yeah. mm-hmm. right? Like yep. those are the ones with yep. the ADHD brain and you know, like the, I mean, the you and me, you know, <laughs> I mean, granted we're doing great things too, but it's, but there's a difference with that, with that, right. um, what, what people were calling is a disability is actually what's really working in their brain to create something that now is, it could be like worldly known. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure Jeff Bezos probably has ADHD or something (laughs) of that. Right. And we all use Amazon to a small percentage or a large percentage in this world. Right. right? So, um, so yeah, so I think, I think it's just, um, uh, just kind of helping parents remember, like, this doesn't have to be a bad thing. We just have to learn how to, how to work with it. I want to talk um, a little bit about just some of the resources you have. So, you know, you have your, your book, Riley, the brave, which is awesome. So, um, just share a little bit about what the book is about. And then um, I have a couple of things just, you know, from your resources that I think would be sure. really helpful that we can, we can touch on. You bet. So what is, what is, yeah. What does the book address? So Riley, the brave, it's a, it's a big, bright picture book. Um, and it tells the story of this, this brave cub. And, um, and we see there's sort of three little sections where we kind of see that he's a lot like his friends Um, but maybe there were some things from his past that are hard to talk about. It doesn't name them. It doesn't give detail. Like it doesn't go into any of that because I have found that kids, that's too much information. And really lots of kids can relate to this little bear, whether they had really horrible things happen in life or they just get stressed by their older brother or whatever. Right. Um, so the middle section is then talking about how he was brave like a tiger, brave like a turtle, brave like a porcupine, sort of using some of those downstairs brain um, characters for his survival. 
And then, and I'm telling you the like really technical way, but it just reads like a story. (laughs) And then the end of the story is seeing that he's now learning new ways to be brave, that he is with these elephant parents and he's learning to be brave by asking for help and to be brave by um, letting, letting people, letting big critters, safe big critters into his heart and those kinds of things. Um, So it purposely is not a lot of words, but what I found from what I've heard from from people around the world is that it seems like every kid can relate to it. Um, it's it's extra meaningful for kids who've had some some pretty difficult life experiences, but it also seems to help kids and families have a language to talk about the big feelings that happen, the tiger moments that we all have, the the turtle moments that we all have. Mm-hmm. And then the afterward, um, there's about five pages that just go into a little bit of the brain science around, you know, some of the stuff we've talked about today and some other other things for um, parents and educators and and counselors and that kind of thing. So yeah, that's Riley the Brave. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think that would be actually an awesome book for for my three year old and you know getting into my one year old who's now starting to love books. And I, I mean, you know, they really they they absorb so much. You know, at that young age. Yes. Um, I mean, every stage of of the the child development is is important and significant for know where they are and and Mm. what they're going through but um I do feel like you know when they're where where they're still in that toddler mode it's just they're just so impressionable and however we can you know give them just good stuff and things to strengthen them would be helpful yeah um so you also have this resource um all about me and 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 it's you know it's kind of like a form you get you know a thing that you can fill out um, so, so tell people how this helps, because I think this is sure. a good thing for, for kids to be able to use and feel comfortable. Yeah. So one of the things that I have found in my work is that a lot of kids, um, some of the way, some of the like traditional get to know you games that would happen in school or camp or things would leave, would leave a lot of kids feeling, um, left out or maybe even, kind of, um, I don't love the word triggered, but for whatever reason, I'm going to use it. (laughs) Um, that if you're in foster care and you get asked like who your parents are, just that question, it can be sort of overwhelming, um, that families are formed lots of different ways. And so the all about me form is really intended to be a gentle way to encourage introductions to, to encourage communication about, about a kid, for a kid to be able to communicate about themselves. Um, It purposely is in language that is um, gentle on the brain. So it asks like, what's an animal that you like instead of asking your favorite animal? Because even asking a favorite for a stressed little brain can be like, ah, fight or flight. I don't know how to answer that. Wow. As silly as that sounds, um, it's just, it's, colleagues of mine and and I have noticed that I don't have any hard evidence for it but it's certainly anecdotally been the case yeah and then it it asks who the the people and pets that you live with are again making it safe to talk about whatever your family looks like so if you have a blended family then you it's not asking um it it lets you talk about that however you could you know to talk about that if you're living in you know with your aunt and uncle right now or if like whatever the situation is you're not forced into um 
putting labels on something where the labels don't fit. And I just have found that that's really helpful, particularly in, in like the school setting. Um, and so my intention with some of these additional resources was to, was to just help, (laughs) help all of the safe big critters have some new language and new ways to interact about these really difficult concepts. Um, and so that's that's really where the le- resource library came from, is that I, I've introduced yeah. some things in Riley the Brave, but I want to equip adults to be able to be safe big critters, to be the best teacher or parent or, you know, social worker, whoever you are, you're not you're never entering a relationship with a kid to make their life worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> right <laughs> never. Right, right, right. That's not the case. No. No. So, yeah. so that's what the resources like this are there to help with is just to, yeah. to guide, to give a little guidance from my years in the trenches of, um, of how we can reach stressed brains. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I just, you know, as I was reading through what you have there, um, and we'll have, we'll have Jessica's, um, website in the show notes and we'll have all links and, and things like that in the show notes so that, that you can audi- um, access it. But I, that was just one that really stood out. I was just like, this, I think, is so powerful because, um, and I guess maybe maybe I wouldn't necessarily think about it if I didn't have a stepdaughter, right? Yeah, you know, right, but, right. but recognizing, like, there's also still, you know, even if you're, you know, you've got your biological family all fine that's right. and that's, that's just the way it is, um, there's still different ways to you know, ask the questions or allow them to just verbalize the way they want, like they feel comfortable doing it. Um, yeah. Because we don't, you know, we don't know what's going on in those little brains yeah. of theirs yeah. and we want them to be, you know, safe and, and comfortable. Um, the, the last one that I wanted to bring up was um, bedtime for brave cubs because <laughs> I lo- like one, because I have a three-year-old who doesn't always want to go to bed <laughs> and with an ADHD brain. So it's like 10 o'clock at night and yep. she's still up. Like, yep. I'm like, it's past my bedtime now. <laughs> so, um, let alone yours. Um, so I think this actually is just one, you know, great for bedtime as you have it set up, but also just in general. So, yeah. um, so just, you know, maybe just share a little bit about this one for the, for, for those brave cubs. Um, or for the parents yes. who want, you know, those brave cubs to just feel like they, you know, we're lowering just their emotion- sleep. We're lowering their emotional temperature. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's a great way to talk about it. Yeah. So um, sleep is just so fundamental to physical, mental, emotional health. For and everyone, by the for way. For everyone. Doesn't matter, how, doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And it's a common area for kids to struggle for a lot of the reasons that you we've already talked about, um, especially if it's a stressful time or if it's a period of transition or, you know, there's just lots of things that can disrupt a kid's um, sleep cycle and, and how they how, especially how they get to sleep. Sleep is also a time of separation from parents often. Um, you know, where, where we're tucking them in and then we're leaving the room. Um, and so that, that also can bring up some emotions for kids. And so what I try to provide is just some ideas to, to bring into your routine. Well, first make a routine (laughs) (laughs) and then (laughs) some things to, to bring into your routine as you're forming it with your kid, with your partner, like however it works for your family um, 
to make sure that we're we're calming the parts of the brain that might be a little riled up at bedtime. And so we want to include things that reach the that reach the deeper parts of the brain and even reach maybe where that downstairs brain is trying to kick in and, and get protective or defensive. We so song is really helpful. So movement is really helpful. Playfulness is really helpful um, for reaching those parts of the brain. And it and when we're exhausted, our downstairs brain can kind of kick in and we just want them to go to bed. Like, yes. no, just we'll read a book and then we'll go to bed and that's it. And sometimes their brains need a little bit more help with that process. So yeah. the um, the bedtime resource is there to to help with that, to help give you some food for thought of ways to, to incorporate that. And my my newest book, Riley the Brave Makes It to School, it's a look at the morning as opposed to the nighttime, but it's also full of, um, you know, in story form examples of these things that really help our kids' brains um, so that you can read and reread it with your kiddo and, and both get that feeling of how this might look in action because yeah. it's hard. It's yeah. hard. <laughs> Oh my gosh, parenting was very hard. I was just in a, a doing another interview recently, and uh, you know, I was like, marriage and parenting is like the best personal development out there. Yes, <laughs> right. I mean, yes. there's just so much personal growth that comes out of uh, blending your life with someone else and then adding kids into the mix. Of it. Yes, so it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot. It is really a lot. Um, and, and then, you know, you add all the other variables that, that come with it too, you know, working or family, you know, other caregivers, Absolutely. You know, things that come up and a pandemic and whatever. So, <laughs> you, you know, know, like, you know, just a global just. pandemic, um, <laughs> right. But, but I do, but, but this bedtime, you know, I think these things are great. I think they're also things that like, I, I would say, you know, you can just incorporate to have like a little bit of that quality time with your kid. 100%. Well, before bedtime, right? Yes, and just like absolutely. get connected with your kid, which I think is awesome. So, yeah. you know, having that, um, you know, you. so I have it here in front of me, you know, the healthy touch, story, song, breath, safety. This was actually, breath work has now become very important to my husband and me. We've recognized how, yeah. how important breath work is, um, how incorrectly most people are breathing, Yes. You know, not doing that diaphragmatic breathing um, and, and how it really does lower our emotional temperature yes. so that we can respond better, right? We don't have yes. that fight, yes. flight, or free the downstairs brain. That's right. Saying. Yeah. Um, so we actually taught our three-year-olds to, to do breath work. Um, now, she doesn't always do it, and that's sure. okay, right? Like, yeah. so, and I think that's another thing. You know, just because your kid doesn't do it one time doesn't mean that they're never going to do it. Right. You just, you continue you to, bet. you know, use it as an option and, and sometimes it's there, sometimes it's not. Um, so that's, and that's also something as the non ADHD brain, it's like, well, you did it before. Why aren't you doing it now? You know, yes. and it's those explorer um, brains though. They like to right. try the next thing. <laughs> right. What else can I do? Right. So, um, and I guess also, you know, adult versus child, right. There's, uh -huh. there's that component too. That's uh -huh. just, um, just in general, but, um, but it's so important. And it all started it because we, we had a day where she, you know, or, or, you know, this day she was watching something on the iPad and the internet, you know, whatever, it started buffering. And so of course, no one likes when your internet buffers, we all nope. get frustrated. 
And she got so upset and she was like, ah, I'm like kind of screaming and, you know, clutching mm-hmm. the, the iPad. And, um, and my husband just goes, Charlotte, Charlotte, just, just take a deep breath. And so she takes a deep breath mm-hmm. and he was like, no, no, do it again. And then she did it again. And then it came back on the video came back on. So that she started to associate if she took a big breath, I love it. Like the iPad would come back on. Like she thought it was magic. But now we're like, we're past the iPad. And now it's, it's really about just like, Hey, I know you're upset. Like recognizing, Mm -hmm. Hey, I I see Mm -hmm. that you're frustrated. Let's just take a deep breath. Sometimes she does. She wants to, and sometimes she doesn't, but, um, but we're teaching her that. Yeah. And you're putting words to it. Like, I Mm -hmm. see that you're upset. You're accepting her feelings. You're not telling Mm -hmm. her, knock it off. Yeah. Just breathe through it. That's not, that's not going to be helpful. You're saying like, I see you, your feelings matter. And this is a way that you can be the boss of your brain. You know, you get to take a deep breath and feel, um, we all like being in control. And so that's another way that like you get to, you get to have the control when you do that. Yeah. I mean, I love the boss of your brain because there's so many moms I work with who the negative self-talk is their issue. Like that's their, their biggest thing. And it's like, your brain is your best asset. It is like, like just, um, sacred property. And mm-hmm. we, we need to talk to ourselves better. Mm-hmm. Some of the things we say to ourselves, we would never say to someone else. Why would yeah. we say it to ourselves? Yep. Um, and yep. that, and that a lot, you know, that again, a lot of that comes back to the childhood stuff, you know, and so, and there's, you know, there's where exactly. trauma comes in. Right. So a lot of these things are really linked and connected and it's part of, the journey that, you know, Tanner, I want to take with family OS is recognizing like, these are some, a, a lot of the things that are happening currently in your life have to do with childhood and yep. how can we work through that to get to a better place? Like some things might be working and that's cool. Other things, maybe not so much. And where, where's the root cause and let's address that so that we can move forward in a more positive and impactful way for, um, for our, for, for our marriages, for our families, which then in turn goes out to our communities. Right. Absolutely. Yes. So, so Jessica, thank you so much for, for taking the time being a part of the one relationship. We're really just so grateful to have your insight. Love to have you come back and, and, uh, you know, we can share more, um, maybe speak into our, into our community that we're, we're building. It's, it's a new, new venture, but we'd love to have you come back in that too. And, and, uh, um, and just explore, you know, we'll, we'll continue to know more of what, you know, moms and dads are really looking for and, yeah. and, and know how we can best serve them and, and, you know, be able to provide your services as well. I love it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. We're committed to building strong marriages to create the foundation for living a fulfilled life, creating a thriving family and conquering the challenges of today. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe right now to keep up to date with our weekly episodes. We'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. Join us next time for more real talk on The One Relationship.